Welcome to the Harmony Christian Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by today's message from Pastor Josh Shoemaker. I love baptism because baptism is the picture of the gospel in action. And uh, yeah, I got us some claps on the front row there. Um, thank you, Madeline. Baptism, as we're going to see here uh, in the message today, as I've said before, baptism is an immersion into the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That Jesus didn't actually go to the cross so we didn't have to. He went to the cross with us. He took us with him to the cross. That baptism is the supernatural activity where God makes all things new where God makes all things new. You know, there's nothing magical about the water, right? There's nothing magical about dump, being dunked under the water. It's an expression of faith that as you are baptized, as you are under the water, as you come up out of the water, it's an expression of faith declaring that I am immersed with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection, that the old man is dead. Behold, all things have become new. Amen. Amen. You know, back, clear back in the Bible times, on the outskirts of a little town called Bethany, by the Jordan River, there was a man named John who was nicknamed the Baptizer, who was kind of a wild-eyed man. He wore uh, camel's hair for clothes. He ate locusts and wild honey for his meals. And he preached repentance to the people. And this crazy guy would draw crowds of people to hear him preach. And so on the outskirts of Bethany, on the shores of the Jordan River, uh, John was in the water, looking up to the shores, preaching to this crowd that had gathered there, listening to him preach. And you know, John was such an incredible preacher. He was, he was uh, the very first seeker-friendly preacher. So he's preaching to the crowd, and he's calling them broods of vipers, whitewashed tombs. You're clean on the outside, but inside you're full of dead man's bones. You know, all of the feel-good messages we like to hear, right? So he's preaching to the crowd this message of repentance. And the crowd is listening. But hidden deep within the crowd is this man that nobody knows who he is. To everybody else, he's just another face in the crowd. He's just another person there listening to this wild man named John the Baptizer. The only person in that entire crowd that had any semblance of, a idea, of an idea who this man was, was John the Baptizer himself. But to everybody else, he was just another man. Little did they know that when they brushed against his shoulders, that they were brushing against the Son of God. Little did they know that, that this man has been alive for all of eternity and stood at God's right hand when God spoke the earth into being. Little did they know that this man would be later called by John the Beloved the very word of God incarnate in the flesh. And here is this man just blended in the crowd listening to John speak. John finishes his message and gives an invitation 
for those who want to repent to come down into the waters to be baptized with Him. And as He gives this invitation, Jesus, the Word of God, begins making His way into the waters with John. As He steps into the water, John, who once again is the only person there who realizes and knows who Jesus is, looks at Jesus in the eye and he says, why would you need to be baptized with repentance? Why would you need to come down here? He said, if you're coming down here, I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus just looked back at John with kindness in his eyes and he says, John, we must do this. We must permit it to be so so that we can fulfill all righteousness. And John probably had no idea really what Jesus meant by that, but he did the right thing in the moment and he just obeyed Jesus. And so John stepped back. He took Jesus in his arms, the son of God, and baptized him, put him under the water, pulled him back up out of the water. And through this act of submission to the father, Jesus humbly accepts the mission that the father sent him on which was ultimately to go to the cross, to die, to be buried, and then finally to overcome death and be raised to new life. Amen. When Jesus comes out of the water, it says that the sky split open and a dove descends upon him. And it says that the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. And it says that the voice came from heaven, which was the Father's voice that says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. In whom I am well pleased. And I'm excited today for the eight people to be baptized that are going to be baptized today because I believe with everything in me that when you come out of the water, you're going to hear the Father say, you are my beloved Son and daughter. And in you, I am well pleased. In you, I am well pleased. I love this part of scripture, because at this point in time, Jesus had done absolutely nothing. He had done absolutely nothing in ministry. He hadn't had done any healings. He hadn't healed the sick. He hadn't healed the blind. He hadn't preached a single message. And before he did a single thing, the father already looked at him and said, listen, son, I am proud of you. I love you. In you, I am well pleased. He didn't have to do a single thing. And the father was already pleased with Jesus. And I want to tell you this morning that the most important thing about you is not what you do. It's not what you say. It's not how you act. The most important thing about you is that you are the beloved of the father. That you are deeply and dearly loved by Jesus. The Bible tells us in Ephesians that, that, that before we ever came to repentance, while we were yet sinners is what it says in Ephesians chapter 2. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. Before you cleaned up your act, before you did everything right, before you put on the nice polo and came to church on Sunday morning, before you did all of that, that he chose to die for you because he loved you. Before the foundations of the world. You know, the Bible tells us that before the foundations of the world were laid, God already had predecided two things. One, that he would be the lamb that was slain. The other thing it tells us is that you would be dearly loved by the Father. Before you did a single thing, before you breathed a single breath, God decided that he was going to love you. That he was going to love you. 
And so Jesus gets baptized by John to show us. Not, 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 he didn't go in for a baptism of repentance. We all know that God did not need to repent. Jesus did not need to repent. He went into the baptism of uh, he went into the waters of baptism, one, to initiate, to show us what he came to do, which was to eventually die, be buried, and rose again. But he also went into the waters of baptism to pave a path, to forge a path for us to follow. For us to follow. Amen? Romans chapter 6, verse 1 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who have died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. You know, the Bible says in, in Romans chapter 6 alone, it tells us six or eight different times that you have died. That's good news, right? <laughs> you have died. That the purpose of the cross, once again, was not so God would go to the cross so we wouldn't have to. The purpose of the cross is so that he could take us with him to the cross so that we would die as well. That the old man that was represented in Adam. Romans 5 tells us that Adam's sin affected or infected the entire world. That through Adam's sin, all of the world was corrupted. But it goes on to tell us that through one man's obedience, all of the world was also infected with righteousness. That through one man's disobedience, sin infected all the world. But through one man's obedience, that it says that righteousness, that the humankind was effect, affected with righteousness and given righteousness. Amen. So he didn't just take us. He didn't just die on the cross so we didn't have to. He died on the cross so that we would go with him. So the old man that was in Adam, that our identity in Adam would be dealt with. And that man doesn't doesn't uh, get to, to try to go through therapy and counseling to get right. No, no, no. God just kills him. He's dead. That when you come into salvation, you're actually attending your own funeral. The old man of sin is dead. But the glory of it all, the glory of it all is Jesus didn't stay dead. That he, was that he died and was buried. But on the third day, the glory of Easter is that death could not hold him. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? That he was raised to new life on the third day. And the glory of it all is that he took us, yes, to the cross. And yes, he took us to the tomb and to the grave with him. But he also took us with him when he came back to life. And you, my friends, yes, died. But you also are raised to newness of life. You become a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The Bible tells us that the man we were in Adam was nailed to the cross. That the handwriting of requirements that were against us have been nailed to the cross as a public display for all to see. That the Bible tells us that we were all slaves to sin. But that man that was in slavery has died. And behold, you are now free. He who the Son has set free is free indeed. Amen. He who the Son has set free is free indeed. Baptism 
is the immersion into the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Baptism is also the supernatural activity where God makes all things new. Amen? Some of our greatest examples of baptism are actually found in the Old Testament. I've shared this before, and many of you who study your Bibles know well that the Old Testament has many foreshadowings of Jesus. That the Old Testament is actually what theologians call Christocentric, which means that the Old Testament is pointing to the day where Jesus would come and fulfill all righteousness. So when we look into the Old Testament, and as we're reading the Old Testament, it's good to begin looking for the the foreshadowing of Jesus or the stories that are pre-cursing Jesus. And so we can look back in the Old Testament and see many examples of baptism. One of my favorites is the story of a man named Naaman. The Bible tells us in 2 Kings, going to pull that up there, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1, says, Now Naaman, commander of the army of the kings of Syria, was great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria, he was also a mighty man of valor. But Naaman was a leper. So you have this man who has achieved incredible things in his life. Who was a successful military leader. Who had brought great victory to his kingdom. Who, when the king looked at him, he honored him and saw him as a man of valor. He was a man highly favored by the king. That the people, when they looked at Naaman, they saw a man that they honored and they respected. And all of those things were wonderful, but none of those things prevented him from being a leper. That even though he was a great, honorable man, he still had a disease that was slowly killing him. That was slowly killing him. A disease that uh, uh, coincidentally eats at his flesh until eventually it kills him. And so Naaman is struggling with this disease, and though he has had many achievements, he's had many great victories, nothing is preventing him from slowly dying from this disease. And one of his servants, who happens to be an Israelite, one day recommended to Naaman, he said, she said, hey Naaman, I know this prophet in Samaria who happens to live by the Jordan River where Jesus was baptized. I know this prophet in Samaria named Elisha. If you go to him, he will be able to heal you from your disease. And so Naaman at this point tried everything and says, you know what, I might as well give this a shot. So he asks permission from his king to go to Samaria. The king gives him permission, sends him to Samaria. And, and Elisha, or I'm sorry, Naaman finds himself in front of Elisha's house. And here he is, this commander, this man who demands respect, right? Who, who walks honorably and is a man of honor and valor. And, and Elisha is sitting in his house. And sends his servant out to meet Naaman. Naaman at first is kind of upset and he's like, hey, wait a second. I'm this honorable man. I demand the attention of Elisha. 
And they basically say, well, Naaman, you're, you're not going to get it. You basically take this or leave it, right? And so the servant comes to Naaman and, he sa- and she says, Naaman, Elisha says to go dip yourself in the Jordan River seven times. And when you come out that seventh time, you'll be cleansed from all of your disease. So long story short, Naaman goes down to the Jordan River and he dips himself in the river seven times. And when he comes out of the river the seventh time, it says that his skin was like a newborn baby, fresh and clean, and all of the disease that was, rid- that was riddling his body was completely gone. And here it is, this picture of baptism, that you go into the water with this disease of sin, with this disease of the fallen nature. You go into the water with this disease that the Bible said is slowly killing you and bringing you to death. And when you go into the water, you go under the water with the disease. But when you come out of the water, you are completely restored to newness of life. The disease that was chasing you, that was bringing you to death, it's gone. And like it was with Naaman, he was a newborn, like a newborn baby coming out that you are a new person, a new creation and walk in newness of life. Amen. Another one of my favorite examples of baptism in the Old Testament is in the Exodus where Moses has gone through the seven plagues and all of that has fallen on the land of Egypt. And finally, the Pharaoh has said, you can take your people and leave. And so Moses gathers up the Israelites and they begin walking out of Egypt. As they're walking out of Egypt, they end up in front of the river my brain has left me. What is the name of the, the Red Sea? Thank you. <laughs> I'm a preacher. <laughs> and I forgot the Red Sea. All right. So they find themselves in front of the Red Sea. As they're staring at the Red Sea in front of them, that is in their way of walking into the land of freedom, they look behind them and they see that the Egyptians have had a change of heart. And the people that have held them in captivity and slavery for over 400 years are now chasing them to bring them back and pull them back into slavery. So Moses and the Israelites are standing in front of an impassable Red Sea in front of them. And behind them, they have what the, the ones that have held them in captivity, chasing them, trying to pull them back into captivity. So Moses holds up his staff. The waters part. The Israelites walk through the Red Sea on dry ground, through the waters. The the Egyptians follow them into the waters. The Israelites come out of the waters on the other side. And as they come out of the waters, the waters come back together and drown what once held them in captivity. And it's the picture of baptism. That what once held you in captivity, what was chasing you and that you could not get away from, what held you in bondage and captivity to sin goes into the water with you. But it does not come out on the other side. That when you walk through on the other side, you walk out of those waters free from what held you in captivity and bondage. That you may go in a person addicted to pornography 
But you come out the other side, a person with a pure and clean heart that the Lord has remade and made new. You may go into the water as a person struggling with anxiety and depression, but when you come out of the water, you come out of a, as a person with the joy of the Lord on the inside of you and a peace that surpasses understanding. You may go into the water addicted to drugs or alcohol or cigarettes, but you can come out of the water a person completely free, set free from your captivity. That you go into the water with bondage, but you come out free. Who, he who the Son has set free is free indeed. Amen? Yes. He who the Son has set free is free indeed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more messages like this or information about our church, please visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org.